May this holy time of Christmas bring us redeeming grace in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. What a night. All the decorations are up, candles are lit, and Christmas is here once again. And after all the frenzy, the frenzy to prepare, after all of it is settled, we still our souls, quiet our hearts, and our gospel reading opens for us by talking about, of all things, taxes. There really is no escaping them, is there? And then we don't even have to go one more sentence, and we hear the country of Syria mentioned. Is this really Christmas? My point of this isn't to distract us from the real meaning of Christmas or to make light of tonight or of world events, but to show us how in a very clear way, St. Luke opens the Christmas story, putting it in a time and a place, making the birth of Jesus a real-world event. It wasn't an idea. Jesus was indeed born. And the story goes on to tell us more about the Holy Family's search for a place to stay, details about Jesus' birth and how Right after the birth happens, God's actions begin to ramp up in the world. The focus goes to the shepherds in their fields at night. It's quiet. They're startled by angels with the glory of the Lord shining round. The glory of the Lord, the holiness of God, the weight of the full presence of the divine, that unimaginable holy force of love shines upon them suddenly in the middle of the night. While there's no real modern equivalent of what this might look like, you could imagine the way that your body feels when you stand too close to a speaker at a nightclub and feel the vibration. Or when you decide, when you plunge into a pool of really cold water. Or even the shock you might get when you accidentally encounter a live circuit of electricity running through your body. The glory of the Lord is bigger than these and it was all around them. And you bet they were afraid. You would be too. This glory, though, is directive. Through the angels, as messengers, the shepherds go and see what has come to pass, and they make known what they have been told about the child. And all who heard it were amazed what the shepherds told them. The glory of the Lord moved them beyond their fields into the city to greet parents of a newborn child whom they did not know. And notice the story tells us, when the shepherds speak, all who heard it were amazed. Who were all? I thought we had shepherds, who, we are, who they already knew what they saw, and we have Mary and Joseph, but why use the word all when both 
might have been just fine. At the minimum, it's a sign that others were there. After all, who are the people who helped, who supported, who were there to promote the healthy birth of the child, Christ child every step of the way? There were countless people who helped. They're not written about, but they were there. Our logic tells us that they had to have been the helpers. They were there. We're obviously reading an ancient text, originally written in another language. But we, in some ways, do exactly the same thing when we tell stories. Let me give a recent example. 30 pilgrims from Trinity Cathedral went to the Holy Land in February. And any of us who went would probably tell you a condensed version of what we did that went like this. When we landed at the airport, we went up to Nazareth to explore the local town and later the Sea of Galilee. We walked along the Jordan River and we hiked in the hills surrounding the Sea of Galilee. And later on, we went to Jerusalem through Samaria and we saw ancient churches and explored much of the landscape where Jesus would have walked. And later in Jerusalem, we went to holy sites and took a trip to Bethlehem. And while we were in Bethlehem, one of the members of our pilgrimage collapsed and fainted in the church of the nativity, literally in the exact spot where the church proclaims Christ's birth. Thankfully, he wasn't seriously injured. And so our group returned to Jerusalem, where the next day we, we walked the stations of the cross and we prayed for healing at the pools of Bethesda and where we sang alleluias at the site of Jesus' empty tomb. It was a phenomenal experience that mere words cannot even contain. Okay, something like that. But what you would rarely hear, what you would rarely hear in the first account is about the people who helped People like our Muslim bus driver, who made a special rosemary tea for several of our pilgrims who got sick to their stomachs on the third day. Or about the doctors and nurses who were members of our pilgrimage, who immediately, immediately rushed to the aid of the man who fainted. Or the really sweet Palestinian pharmacist down the street who helped several of our pilgrims with various ailments and also to manage their allergies. We had countless hosts who gave us tea on a cold day. And, or the Jewish and Palestinian reconciliation witnesses who pleaded for us to live into our tradition and proclaim a gospel of peace to the world so that the peace of Christ can be realized in the here and the now. On our pilgrimage, we had people who helped. On the Holy Family's journey, they had people who helped. But now, here in Phoenix, right here, right now, the people who help are us. This is our story to continue. But Christmas isn't complete without some kind of gift. It might be something wrapped up with a bow on the top, but it might be something far greater, something everlasting. At Christmas, we all receive an abundant gift of God's glory. 
God's glory. As the glory of the Lord shone upon the shepherds, it shines on us tonight. It's now our turn. Our turn to be open to receive divine love fused with our human essence. Our turn to claim, to claim the spiritual blessing of reconciliation, of acceptance, of wholeness, of grace. Our turn to shine the love and glory of the Lord upon someone else. Because the gift of Christmas is a gift of love from God that keeps on giving. Because when we realize God's glory is shining on us, we can shine it into other places, into the unsolvable situations of our time, into the unsolvable situations of our time, into the challenges of peace or the challenges of national division or the sins we bear of racism, homophobia, sexism, and our tragic, tragic neglect of the plight of children and the poor. And even like in Jesus' time, the challenge of taxes. There's a lot going on in our world. Many significant challenges. Challenges that must be faced But Christmas reminds us we don't face anything alone. On Christmas, the glory of the Lord shines all around the shepherds. And as we gather, God's glory shines on us too. To face the days to come alongside the holiness of God, that electrifying weight of the full presence of the divine, that unimaginable holy force of love shining upon us abundantly, suddenly, in the middle of this night. We have no need to fear. We must not be afraid. We are receiving a gift from God this Christmas. The announcement of Christ's birth brings God's glory so close to you that God and humankind can no longer and will never ever again be separated. God is now with us. Emmanuel has arrived. And the work of Christmas, the work of shining God's glory upon others, begins. Merry Christmas.